Thank you uh, for the opportunity, Lord, to come into your house and worship you. Lord, I pray that you be with the service this morning, God. I pray that whatever it is that someone is needing, God, that you go and you touch their hearts today, Lord. That you just, your Holy Spirit just come and dwell in this place and receive our praise, God. Lord, I pray that just for this time that we're able to completely focus on you, Lord, and just push aside the distractions, Lord, the things of the, the last week, the things of the weeks to come, Lord, whatever it is that's heavy on our hearts, Lord, or uh, or makes us have anxiety or anything, Lord, I pray that for this time being that we're able to just push that aside, Lord, and we're able to just completely focus on you and dwell in your presence, Lord, because in your presence is when things are changed, in your presence are when chains are broken, in your presence are when the yokes become and have her speak whatever it is that you want her to, Lord. And I pray that you open our hearts to receive what you would have us to receive. And we give you all the honor, glory, and praise, and it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Oh, he's happy to be in the house of God this morning. Come on, let's give him some praise. Let's give him a hand clap of praise.
my lovely wife welcome today. I know she's got something to do. second and we're going to kind of jump into this. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity that you give us to be here today. Thank you for bringing us together. Um, thank you that even in the crazy times and in the funny times, whenever things don't get started or things don't go the way we went, we want them to, or Lord, just in all the chaos and the craziness sometimes of our day, that God, we can just, um, we can just look to you and we can see you in every situation that we Know that you are always working for us and that you are fighting for us. And Lord, today, as um, I share, God, just what you put on my heart, Lord, I pray that it would only be your words that would come out of my mouth. And that they would touch the hearts of those who are hearing. Lord, let their ears not only listen to what is being said, but let their spirits hear what it is that you want to speak to them today. I pray that you would increase and that I would decrease so that you are the only one who gets the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Um. We are on this battle plan thing, and I was pretty sure that Brad was just going to go ahead and preach what I have um, while he was talking. So um, we are going to be today in Judges. And Alyssa, if you will put that picture up there that I sent you. We were, we were sitting here the other night in, in church, and the Lord started speaking to me. I've been asking him what it is that... Um, that he wanted me to, to share this week. And as we were sitting in Bible study the other night, the Lord started speaking to me. And I began to think about the battle plan and all that stuff. And I heard in my spirit the Lord say, Who sunk your battleship? Do y'all remember the old commercial? Whenever the kids are playing around, they said, You sunk my battleship. That's only us older people. A few of us. Well, you're you're edging on that spot, bud. So, <laughs> yeah, you're you're edging on the spot of us older people. Um, but I, that's what I heard in my spirit was, "Who sunk your battleship?" And so today we're going to just talk a little bit more about strategy. Um, Judges chapter six. Here's the background. Um, when we get into this, y'all are going to recognize this story probably if you've ever been in church or if you've ever been in Sunday school, unless you're. But what, what we're going to talk about here, think about Battleship. Have y'all played Battleship? I mean, not everybody plays board games now. We have board games. We love board games at our house. Blake loves board games, but he's a lot like his father. And so you can't play much of a game with them because if it doesn't go their way, well, just think Jesus and the money changer tables just flying through the air or whatever. Um, it gets a little funny. It gets a little intense. But if you've ever played games like Battleship, Chess, Checkers, Monopoly, yeah, all those things. What do you need to win the game? Patience. They are both so wrong. I know. We need patience. They're games of strategy. They're games of strategy. And so I began to think about, it's not like, you know, you go all willy-nilly, you roll the dice, you get what you get. It's a game of strategy. And so um, what we're going to look at is some unusual and uncommon strategy. That is the way we have to approach our battle plan. It's not just going to be a black and white answer of this is what we do, this is how we plan, this is how everything's going to roll out this is how you know if you do this you there's not a cause and effect here if you do this this will happen we don't get if then statements in the bible we don't we don't have that there is no strategy that says if you do this you are guaranteed to get this result it's kind of like being in school and you have the math and you think that everything is the way it is until you get to like these advanced classes and suddenly something else is not equal to this or it's kind of or that's where everything gets all fuzzy for me in math whenever things don't suddenly become four plus four equals eight or because it's all a different thing you lose your strategy you lose the black and white of things so we're going to talk a little bit just about um uncommon and unusual strategy. And we're going to start reading in Judges chapter 6, 
And when we start here, you're going to recognize, and it's so funny to me that the Lord always brings me back to these same words. Because he showed, started showing me Gideon, and then when I sat down to read it, I was like, okay, well, here's, this is your monthly reminder, I guess, how we're going to look at things. Judges chapter 6, we're going to read verses 1 through 12 to start. I'll give you just a little bit of story background. Judges chapter 6, verse 1 says, The Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Like we have not heard that month after month after month already. So the Lord handed them over to Midian for seven years, and they oppressed Israel. Because of Midian, the Israelites were hiding in caves for themselves, in the mountains, or hiding places for themselves, in the mountains, the caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites, and Amalekites, and the Ketamites came and attacked them. They, camped, they encamped against them and destroyed the produce of the land, even as far as Gaza. They left nothing for Israel to eat, as well as no sheep, ox, or donkey. For the Midianites came with their cattle and their tents like a great swarm of locusts. Let's just stop there for a second. Do y'all know what happens when locusts come in? Like, there's not just like the year of locusts. It's not like one or two locusts. It's like everywhere. There's millions of them. And so that caught my eye whenever I was reading. It says they were like a great swarm of locusts. Could you imagine how many people were coming in and were starting to encamp against the Israelites and around them? It says they and their camels were without number, and they entered the land to lay waste to it. So Israel became poverty-stricken because of Midian, and the Israelites cried out to the Lord. So here they are. They've done evil on the side of the Lord again. It's the same thing, different day. They've done evil, they become oppressed, they don't have any food, they've got all these millions of people coming against them, and they, then they decide they're going to cry out to the Lord, and now they want help. It says, when the Israelites cried out to him because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to them. He said to them, this is what the Lord God of Israel says, I have brought you out of Egypt and out of the place of slavery. I rescued you from the power of Egypt and the power of all who oppressed you. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Am or yeah, do not fear the gods of the Amorites whose land you live in, but you did not obey me. Once again, same story, different day, over and over and over. The angel of the Lord came, and he sat under the tree that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abarizite. His son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress in order to hide from the Midianites. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, valiant warrior. So you have another year, they went seven years again. In oppression, they went seven years, and God said, do not fear the gods of the Amorites. They don't have any power over you. We just sang about all that this morning. Who is the Lord? You know, he's a God of victory. He's a, don't fear them. All you got to do is just listen, and they, like, cave as soon as they get in there. And then when the millions and millions and millions of people come in, and their animals and all that stuff, and they begin to clear all their land, what happens? They're like, oh, God, we messed up. Again, we didn't listen to you again. Come and get us out of our mess. Like we do so often, like our kids do so often. Like we're all the time saying, okay, God, if you get me out of this mess again, I'll never do it again. Seriously, show of hands. How many of us have said that? If you get me out of this mess, I'll never do this again. I will never fall for this again. I'll never let this mess me up. I'll never let this trip me up. I'll never do whatever. And then we're like, oh, God, we did it again. If you do it this time, I promise. And yet we come, we, we're just creatures of habits. We do it over and over and over. God, forgive me. God, help me. Get me out of this. I promise. And then here we are. So we're just walking around like the children of Israel doing our thing. And the problem is, the thing that we've been talking about the past few weeks is we don't have a battle plan. We hear the instructions of the Lord. We hear the word of God. We hear this stuff week after week. We read it, hopefully, day after day, but more like here week after week and read it month after every three months. We're guilty sometimes. I'm guilty. 
We do it. Um, I think I started a new Bible study series. It was like five days after Josh and I finished our year through the Bible that we did in 90 days. And I think it took me two weeks to finish my five days. Yeah. Because suddenly, suddenly I don't have that routine. Suddenly I'm not pushing for something anymore. Suddenly things just kind of settle in and I get to be a slacker. And I, it takes me 14 days or however many. If I open my phone up, it might even be longer. And I don't have my five days of Bible reading done. And it was simply like, read two verses and then hear this little part. Yeah. And I've slacked again after I was so determined that I was going to stay consistent. So here's what we're missing is our strategy. We're missing our battle plan. We're missing the commitment that we have to have. Like for work, going into work this last month has been an absolute chaotic stress-filled, just overwhelming time. And so what I have had to do over the last four and a half, five weeks is determine and, and start asking people, listen, I have talked to every secretary in this county almost. Tell me what I need to do. What has to be done by this date? Are there deadlines? Is there a deadline whenever this is supposed to be done? I went through my planner and I wrote every time that the pay period ended every time the payroll had to be due to the board office. There is not an option for these things to be done. If the people in my school are going to get paid, I have to have everything completed by that time, period. And if I don't know how to do it, I have to call people and I have to figure it out and I have to send a gazillion emails and I have to have it done because just not doing it is not an option. Just because I don't know, just because it's too hard, just because I don't want to that day and everything else was going crazy, it's not an option. But yet here we are, that's my strategy for work. Make 100 phone calls if you have to, write your deadlines down. If you don't know how to do it, figure it out one way or the other, but make it happen. And yet here we are right here and our strategy should be, if I don't know what to do, Call somebody. If I don't know what to do, look it up in my word. If I don't know what to do, I should be praying about it. I should, that should be my first call is to talk to the Lord about it. But yet I don't, and I'm just like, it's too much, it's too hard. Eh. I just give up. And we stop that day and we just let it overwhelm us, and everything piles up higher. I have spent four weeks trying to get my piles of information in my folders. I was so excited the other day because I was like, I have my folders finally like labeled and they're color coded and they're rainbow and they look awesome. And I actually kind of know what goes in each one. Like I was kind of excited that I actually knew what was supposed to go in my folders in my desk drawer. Because I have taken four and a half weeks and got to know what it is I'm supposed to be doing. It's not a process where I went to work the first day and they were like, this is everything you're supposed to do. Here you go. And I just knew how to do it. It has taken a day by day by day step. It has taken a process of learning. When I get there in the morning, the first thing I have to do is check the computer. Actually, I'll start checking the website at 5 o'clock in the morning because I need to know if there's going to be subs there that day. That's part of my job description. When my boss said, this is your job description, this is this. You have to know this by the time everybody else gets in that building. You need to know who's coming, who's not. Do they have coverage? Do we need to make phone calls? I was given a list of what my duties were. That is my first game of my strategy. So when we think about our battleship, and we think about our, our game board there, if you have played it, if I'm playing against Kylie, my strategy is different than if I'm playing against Brad. If you, if you are a person, okay, say you've played Battleship, if you have, think about this. Are you the person that thinks, okay, if I put my thing here, which things are they most likely to call out first? Because everybody has their, their thing that they're thinking about. Which one are they, what do I think they're gonna call first? Do you, are they gonna bunch all their stuff up together? If I bunch all my things up together, or should I spread them out? Are they gonna catch on to that? Like my brain immediately starts working and thinking, how they, how are they, what do they think I'm going to do? 
What do I think they're going to do? And so are you that person? Or are you the one that's all willy-nilly and you just kind of flop your pieces on there? Amanda, are you willy-nilly? Yeah. Have you played it before? I was saying to Kylie, okay, so you have to have strategy if you're going to win. That is our problem. When it comes to checkers, Brad is like in the zone when it comes to checkers. And he's got his king going all over the board, like he's on it. He knows, he's watching everything that I do, and he's like, oh, you missed this one. And then all of a sudden my pieces are all gone, and it's over. But he's watched every move that I've made, and he's known exactly what I'm gonna do. He knows exactly where it is, and me, I'm like answering the kids, I'm looking at this, and I'm here, and I'm on my phone, and it's my turn, and I don't pay any attention. Like, I, I'm just not, I don't, I play for fun. I don't play for like blood like he and Blake do. So, it's like, there has to be, Yes, we can't even play a game of cards like we play spoons without playing plastic spoons because someone's liable to loosen up. Um, or stab yourself when the spoon breaks, I don't know. So, and it will break. And it will break, along with furniture, you never know. So, so strategy, if, we, if you look at the definition of strategy, and this is the point of why why Brad is pushing you to get that battle plan. This is why he is saying, get your battle plan, write something up. You know, it has to be whatever pertains to you. If yours isn't, listen to this and read a funny, find whatever pertains to you and what you need for that day. You know, my battle plan, I had had stuff written out, but the other day after this week at work, I was like, I really have to put my job on my battle plan because we are under attack. Like, I know I've talked about it with the girls some, but the, the schools everywhere, I mean, it's, it's nationwide with, with staffing, with any job, but what, what you feel when you walk into some of these places, it is under attack. The enemy is a spiritual attack of the enemy, and I was like, I gotta put my job on my battle plan. I have to be able to do that, and I'll be honest, I got up Friday morning, and I began first thing in the morning saying, God, please, if you don't bring the peace into that place today, I don't know if we can do it another day. Like, it had been a bad week. And I'm like, if you, we just need peace. We just, I just need, even if it's chaotic, I just need to feel the Holy Spirit in that building today. And know that there is a peace that is there to know that your presence is there. And I'm telling you, it was 10 o'clock before anything had really went on. The phone hadn't rang that much. Like, we were just working and doing our thing. And I was like, oh my goodness, Lord. Like, you could feel the difference. Once you start targeting your prayers, once you start calling out those specific areas that you need to come against and fight. So strategy, the first definition of strategy is a plan or of action or policy designed to achieve a major or overall aim. Similar words to strategy are master plan, grand design, or a game plan, or maybe even a battle plan. That's your strategy. Um, it also means the art of planning and directing overall military operations and movements in a war or a battle, or a plan for military operations and movements that are there. So you've got that plan. You're, you're getting things going. You're setting in motion what it is you're going to do and how you're going to come back the things that the enemy is coming against you with or the people in your family, or the people at your job, or the people in your community. You are becoming the one who is, who is looking for a way to not only create the plan, you have to execute it. If our military creates a plan and goes to war, and they have generals and they have people that are making the plan they know is going to bring the victory, but they never execute it, and they just go out to battle and they never execute what has been given to them, it is useless and they will lose every single time. Every time. If you don't execute the plan you have been given, and that doesn't mean it won't come with casualties sometimes. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean you're not going to come back under fire. But you will win if you have the plan and if the Holy Spirit is leading you and you've won that way. So we're, 
going to look here just a little bit. In Judges chapter 7, we're going to skip the book. We're going to skip a chapter over. And we're going to read just a little bit in Judges chapter 7. Because what you have between 6 and 7 that we didn't read is, you know, God tells Gideon that he's going to be with him. He calls him a valiant warrior. I'm going to be with you. You don't realize that the judges... In, in the Bible, whenever in the book of Judges, judges weren't just judges like we have them now. They weren't like the ones that just sit and just throw out judgments and tell everybody what they did wrong. The judges were the ones who led the army. They were the ones who was out there. They were the ones who were leading the army and were, were in charge of that. So in that time, um, you've got... You've got uh, Gideon here. And he even tells the Lord later in, in chapter 6, he was like, listen, you know, my family is the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the youngest. We're not the strongest. You know, he's giving him all the reasons why he can't do this. And then the Lord tells him he's going to be with him. So he goes in and, and Gideon tears down the, the altar of Baal. Then he throws out a fleece because he still isn't sure that this is what God wants him to do. So he was like, okay, so if I lay the fleece out and the fleece is wet from the dew and the ground is dry, then I'll know it's you. And it happens. And then he's like, okay, one more time. If I lay the fleece out and the ground is wet from the dew and the fleece is dry, then I'll know it's you. And God's like, okay. So it happens again. And it's this constant back and forth battle. We do it. Okay, God, if you want me to do this, then you let so-and-so do this. You, if, if I'm supposed to go pray about this, then you let them sing another verse of that song. And then six more verses go by, and you're still like, okay, maybe that wasn't. Maybe I need to ask for the third verse specifically, and they've sang the first verse four times in the last verse. So I'm, I'm good. You know, we do it. We lay out the fleece. We're just like Gideon. So then God tells him that he's going to gather an army for him. And so here we are in chapter 7, and we're going to read um, verses 16 through 22. Okay, so God gathers him an army. He sends him 32,000 people at first. 32,000 people are going to go out and fight the millions of Midianites and Amalekites, and they're supposed to go out and defeat them. And then... God says, okay, so here's the deal. You got a whole bunch of people out here. I mean, not compared to the others, but you got 32,000 people out here. But some of them are afraid. And when they get afraid, they're going to be useless. So just go out there and tell them, if you're afraid, you are free to go. And the whole people went, whoop, out the door they went. I mean, that'd be like saying, hey, okay, we're going to go do this. But if you don't want to, and you kind of think that you might be afraid to do it, just you guys are free. And they'd be like me just standing there and like, Okay, they're gone. They left. <laughs> they gone. Out the door they went. So 32,000 men, 22,000 of them leave. 22,000 men are like, nope, we're good. See you later. I'm out. So then God says, okay, well, we're just going to weed this down a little bit farther. So he takes him down to the, to the river and he says, give them a drink. If they lap their water like a dog... We're going to look at one thing, and we'll separate them out. And if they kneel to drink the water, we're going to separate them out. So he watches, and God says, okay, now these are the ones that you need. Get the ones who lap their water up out of their hands like a dog. And he's like, okay. And he's left with 300 men. 300 men who are to go fight the millions, who are such a great number that they're like swarms of locusts. That's who they have to go defeat. So he, he comes in. He gets everybody going. He's like, all right, boys, here we go. This is it. This is our strategy. So we get to chapter 7. Y'all can read this later. Um, you want to go back and read just a little bit. We're going to start in verse 16. It says, Then he divided the 300 men into three companies and gave them each of the men a trumpet in one hand and an empty pitcher with a torch inside of it in the other hand. He says, watch me and do what I do. When I come to the outpost of the camp, 
do as I do. When I and everyone with me blow our trumpets, you are also to blow your trumpets all around the camp. Then you will say, for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men who were with him went to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch after the sentries had been stationed. They blew their trumpets and broke their pitchers that were in their hands. The three companies blew their trumpets and shattered their pitchers. They held their torches in the left hands, their trumpets in the right hands, and shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each Israelite took their position around the camp, and the entire Midianite army began to run, and they cried out as they fled. When Gideon's men blew their 300 trumpets, the Lord caused the men and the whole army to turn on each other with their swords. So, 300 men, an uncommon strategy. It wasn't gather all your biggest armies and take all your biggest people. It was take what I've given you, take the little bit that you have, make a strategy. The strategy was blow your horn, drop your pitcher, make it break, and hold your torch up and yell. And an army that was so vast in number turned on themselves. I mean, like, can you imagine the whole army going down? I mean, and it goes and tells them they had to, to chase them and they start to gather everybody. And they, they eventually wipe these people out. But the strategy wasn't, okay, Gideon, take all your 32,000 and get your swords and get your stuff. And it's going to be the same way every time. It's going to be the same old way that you do war. You're going to yell, they're going to yell, everybody's going to charge toward everyone, and whoever wins, wins. It had to be an unusual strategy. Because do you know why the Lord wanted them, wanted them weeded out? He said, if you've got this many, if you have this much and you think that you're going to win with your 32,000, I'm not going to get the glory from it. They're going to think they did it in their own strength. And so we got to weed some of these people out of here because I have to get the glory through what's going to happen. I have to be the one that gets the glory when everything else is going chaotic and everything looks like it's impossible. I have to be the one that gets the glory. So you're going to take these 300, you're going to split them up into 100 each, and out you go. Grab your horns, boys. We're going to war. They didn't go with, with all the military fanfare and all that stuff. But it was because Gideon listened to the Lord. If he would have done it his way, I'm sure he would have had more than 32,000. He would have gathered all the, all the warfare, all the stuff that they had in those days. And he would have went to battle. And then he would have thought he was something awesome because he had it all figured out. He did what everybody else did and he thought he was great. But that's the way we are. We think that we have it all figured out. When everything else feels like it's crazy and we begin to seek the Lord for stuff and all of a sudden we do something and we're like, oh yeah, I figured that out. I'm good. Thanks God. You know, I'm, I'm good. Then we think it was in us. And when we get to those places where we have to seek the Lord for, okay, how do you want me to do this? What is my strategy? What is my game plan? What does it look like? You know, I don't read instructions when it comes to these games. Brad and Blake rip them apart like they have done every little part. Now, this is not how you do it. We've always played like this, but that's not the way it is. Like, Kylie, she can read all the instructions out of the box. That's her first thing. Now, this is how it has to be done. Uh-uh. I don't know the way I played it. I'm old school. Yeah, just because they give you an instruction manual for a board game. That's good for construction or assembling something, but I don't always read it for board games. But do you know on the box, I was looking at an old box of Battleship and it says, Battleship, a game of strategy. <laughs> it's like, okay, so what's our strategy? What's our, what's our game plan? What's the end game here? And how do we achieve it? What is it that, that you're looking for? What is it that you're needing from the Lord? What is it that you want to see in your life? We've talked about this before in the spring. I told y'all why I'm not the one that's growing a garden. You've seen my stuff. I was so excited. My plants that the kids made at Mother's Day, like that they potted in Kylie's class, they're alive and they've actually had blooms on them. And they never got planted outside. They're sitting in my kitchen window, so I remember to put a little water in them when they're dry. But 
it's there and it's, it's actually like since that time in the spring I have been mindful to like water them they didn't just sit there and, and go crazy but I finally had a little bit of a strategy if I leave these here then I'm going to take care of them a little bit more if I do this then I will actually like see them grow and they are in Josh's flower that he got me that I didn't even know what it was I still don't remember what it was I'm kind of a it's some kind of a lily. Um, it actually has bloomed for the first time since Mother's Day last year. But my strategy was, if I leave this here and I keep it right here, and I turn it around every few days and it's getting different parts of sunlight, I'm gonna make sure it's water. I'm gonna make sure it's done. And it's actually bloomed some. So that is like my success story for, for this last few months. Hey, we grew part of a pineapple. We did, we grew part of a pineapple. Um, we have to have uncommon strategy. Someone gave me, gave me um, a word. They spoke to me. Kylie and I had went to a ladies' meeting um, last year. We went to a service in Wilson to hear someone preach that we knew. And I was speaking with this woman after service, and she said, how long do you feel like the Lord's going to tell you? He's going to start giving you uncommon strategy. And then when, when this came back to my mind, I, I literally was just looking through my Bible the other day, and here was... Um, here was one of my devotion things in the bottom it was dated August 21st 2020 and it said so and so gave me a word it said the Lord was going to start giving me uncommon strategy it's not going to look like what it's always looked like it's not going to feel like what it's always felt like it's not going to look normal to everybody else they're going to look at you like you're weird they're going to think crazy things about you because you're going to do stuff differently than the way they've always done it. And we like that. Listen, if you talk to our boys, we've got several boys in here that are on the football team. If y'all go out and run the same play every time, what good is that going to do for the opponent? They're going to figure it out. If you go and run the same play, if you only know one play, and you go out there you're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to win. Your plan of attack is not going to be that. I mean, you put people in places that they don't always think. Josh, where's your position now? What's your position now? Tight end. What's a tight end typically do? Huh? <laughs> they block, but... If you're looking, you've got people that are blocking, but you know, when Brad was talking, he was like, I'm not out there to catch the ball, I'm not good, but I'm not there for that. What are you there for? To block. He's there to make holes. He's not there to be the one that's that's catching the ball. They're not they're not running plays all the time where they're passing. They found what their strength is for their defense, for their offense. They found what their strengths are, and they went with that and they have made plays that are good for what their strength is, for what their team is equipped to do. If they were out there all the time and they were making running plays that was for somebody to pass and there was not people that were able to catch the ball, say you've got someone who can throw a 40, 50 yard ball, but you don't have anybody on your team who can catch it, it's pointless. Or if you're looking for people who can run plays, but everybody is a big boy and they ain't got the, the, you know, the speed to go running all this stuff and they don't have the agility to get in and out of the holes that Josh and them are making, then what good is it? Coach had to come up with a strategy to go and equip them with the strengths that they had as a team. And Friday night, it worked. We watched it, you know, we were there. We were watching from the couches Sarah was up there at the game. Listen, we were all witness. We saw it. They went out there. They did what they needed to do. They worked, worked on the plays. They did the stuff, and they went out there, and they just did it. And it worked because I was like, well, I don't know if I want to drive to Oakland. I ain't going to lie. I was like, they lost the last time we went up there. <laughs> and exhausted already and I drive all the way up there and they lose I'm going to be really sad driving all the way home we got band competition tomorrow but I can watch it online 
And I watched every second of that game online. We didn't notice I know, I didn't. I thought it was going to be like one of the late games. I didn't know it was going to be 9 o'clock. It was 7.48 and it was halftime. I was like, what? It's halftime already? Like, it's not even 8 o'clock. Had I known. But when you take the strategy that you have, when you take your battle plan, when you sit down with the Lord and you start to find out what are my strengths, the Lord's not going to give you a battle plan and ask you to do things that you're not going to be equipped to do. But as you're doing those things, he might equip you for the next plan that he's going to ask you for. He might equip you for the next thing. You know, you don't get on a team. You don't play a game. The first time you play it, you may mess up. The second time you play it, hopefully you're a little bit wiser as to what happened this time. The next time you play it, listen, I don't play Monopoly with Blake anymore. When he was eight, it was bad, and he would get aggravated. Now that he's 19, almost 20, listen, the kid knows his Monopoly. He can hold his own with Brad. I mean, they go for hours. They can hold their own with each other. I'm 30 minutes in. I'm kind of like, I'm done. Uh, I mean, I have no strategy to this game. Yeah, I have no strategy to this game. I don't know how I'm going to beat you. Just here's my stuff. I'm going to bed. That is my strategy. Just give up. <laughs> Surrender. And sometimes, sometimes, not quitting, but sometimes your battle plan needs to be surrendering. Sometimes that's what the Lord's asking us to do, is to surrender our ways, our wants. Our fears are things that make us overwhelmed. Sometimes that's the first step to your battle plan is surrender. So whenever that you begin to find yourself in that place, ask yourself, who's on your battleship? A lot of times if you look at yourself, it's us. It's poor planning. It's poor time in, in prayer. It's poor time in reading our Bible. It's poor time in, in staying in tune with knowing what the Lord wants from us or for us or knowing who we are. Do you know all he had to do was remind Gideon, I'm with you, valiant warrior. He didn't say, I'm with you, you big chicken. Come on, let's go. We've got a job to do. He called him a valiant warrior. That's all it took. And then, I mean, then he went back to, okay, here's my fleece. Okay, let's one more time. Here's my fleece. But he was willing. He surrendered. He didn't argue. He didn't argue with God and say, nope, not doing it. I'm not. I mean, he did say, I'm not the strongest. My families were the weak ones. I'm not, I'm not the one that, that has the name for this. I didn't come from all this, but here you go. If you'll just show me, if you'll just confirm with me what what it is that you want me to do, then off he went.